So I have a question for you. What do we do with this word happy? You know, you may not know that, you may not even believe this, but that word actually makes some people mad. I've actually, I've actually lost two friends over this word. I know, right? Like what? But you know what? Some people are like, it's just not about being happy. All these people that just want to be happy. It's not about being happy, right? Is, happy, is, is it spiritual to be happy or is it selfish to be happy? But, you know, like, but there's a debate kind of. If you get to talking to somebody, actually my son's, one of my son's best friends was over and we were talking and I was kind of telling him, I was like, okay, let me practice on y'all. So I was kind of telling him a little bit about what I was going to be sharing with you, some of the kind of fresh revelation I got. And my son's friend is like, but Mrs. Cooley, you know, and he just starts pontificating all this philosophy about, how, about sadness versus how, And I'm like, wow, this message needs to get out. So, um, you know, some people, the word happy evokes jealousy because, uh, you know, it, we think that song, it's all about you. You know, we sing it, it's all about me, right? And, and a lot of times it evokes jealousy, like, why is everybody else happy and not me, right? For some, though, that it, it, it evokes this desperate long, this is what it used to do to me. This is, this is what that word did to me before the Lord showed me all this. It kind of just became like my mouth would water, and it was just like this desperate longing and almost like a fantasy as far away, like a faraway look would get in my eyes, like, oh, to live in a place like Fiji. You know, it's like that. That's what people think. It's like it's something unattainable, right? But then for others, like my dear friend who lives in Pittsburgh, and she's just like this little bundle of joy just that em- has embraced the word happy. The name of her women's ministry is Flourish. I love it. So I went up there, and actually that she is where I copied all. These are her T-shirts. Her T-shirt she made for the conference that I came up and spoke at said, Be Happy and Flourish. So cute. Those are the Two of those are the style. One of them I created. But I, I was like, that is so good. I can't, you know, do any better. So we did those laugh, love, and live, sort of the same thing. And you just talk to her, and she's just like, hey, we're winning in life. Yay. We're flourishing. Aren't you flourishing? You know, she's like, if you, you could just follow her on social media and just get. So she's one of these, like, naturally happy people. And I have been told all my life I'm a pessimist. I'm. I'm negative. I'm married to, like, the most hopeless optimist ever. So he's the one who's told me that most of the time. He's like, why are you such a pessimist? I'm like, stop speaking that doubt and unbelief over me in Jesus' name. <laughs> so he's like, well, then stop complaining, you know. And so, but um, my hope is that after this weekend that we're all going to embrace this word happy and begin to expect the benefits of it in our lives. Amen? Like I've done, and it's, it's so great. It's a better way to live. Well, your adorable video that I got to see that you showed, your promo video, said that I was going to come and tell you how to find your happy. So that's what I'm going to attempt to do. Some of you might say, I already found my happy. Like, I'm like so above this. Well, if, if you are anything like the rest of us, unless you're just a liar, um, you know 
that even if you have kind of overall found you're happy or you're like my friend Amy and you're kind of just more generally happy, I don't, but you also know that several times a day we can kind of lose it, like misplace it, kind of like, where's my phone? Where, where, where you know, uh, for example, this morning, I have this hair that grows out of this mole right here. <sighs> and so I wanted to be sure, and I did not have time to get my eyebrows done. And so I got my nails done only because my son dates a Vietnamese nail salon girl, and her name is Tammy. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? And so I didn't have time to get my nails done either. So last night, she's like, Ms. Cooley, I got you. It'd be pretty, beautiful nail, just like, just for you. And she's so funny. So she did my nails at home last night. I have a, you know, someone that just comes to me because I'm so fancy like that. No, but, uh, but, <laughs> but uh, so back to the, the tweezers. So I grabbed these tweezers, you know, the ones that don't really work good. And so this morning, I'm like, come on, I cannot show up with this big hair coming out of my face, you know. And so used to, and I, and I never could get, I mean, so don't look close at my eyes. I try to put a lot of makeup on today. But, but, you know, this is real life, right? Doesn't this kind of stuff happen to you? You're just not on the stage for everyone to see. But so if you see this glaring, if the light just hits it right, you know. Um, but I think I got that one. But... Um, Used to, seriously, if that would have happened, I would have lost almost my salvation. Like over, oh, like, what are they going to think of me? And now I don't give a flying flip what you think of me. And it's awesome. It's a better way to live. It's kind of like faith. Like we are living to please him and not each other, right? It's so, so much better that way. So anyway, so... We all can lose our happy, even if we find it from time to time, right, if we're not careful. So let's dig in, and let's just really discover this morning um, how to find our happy. And then, not only that, but like like Pastor Stephanie said, we have a big heart for missions. And I don't want us to just find our happy and keep it all to ourselves. But then I want us to together become a happy sisterhood and spread it all over the world. Amen? Sound good? Okay, so first we need to start out with talking about what happy is not. I'm going to just read you seven typical myths I just found uh, at, on the Psychology Today website. Uh, these are some myths about happiness. I'll be happy when I'm married to the right person. And if you're married, you definitely really don't need to think that because you are. Um, anyway, so I, that's another session for another time. How about this one? I can't be happy when my relationship has fallen apart. I need a partner to be happy. Landing my dream job will make me happy. I'll be happy when I'm rich and successful. Right? If we're honest, these things creep up in us sometimes. I'll never recover from this diagnosis, so I can't be happy. The best years of my life are over. Those are all myths. And we know in this house that those are lies of the enemy, right? Those are arrows that are just, you know, thrown at our faith. So here's what we need to know that science is confirming about happiness. Even science. Science says this. Happiness not only feels good, but it proceeds, relates to, and causes success in life. 
They're proving that out in the scientific world. Thankfully, they're also proving out that we can increase our happiness significantly if we create certain habits. And I'm living proof of that. Uh, so they're, they're, t they're finding out through all this research that happy people have better relationships. Happy people are getting better jobs. Happy people are having more money. Happy people are healthier. And, and so for the, all those reasons, you're like, yep, I came to the right place today, <laughs> right? So, um, and so what they're saying is you can improve your happiness if you create certain new habits, which is why the sixth chapter of the book is called Happy Habits. And we're going to really dive into those more so in the second session. But so you might say, okay, this is all great and fine and dandy, but I'm like kind of like in a mess right now. Where do I start? And, you know, because we've all faced disappointments. We've, some of us have faced great loss. Many of us have, um, you know, are dealing maybe in the middle of heartbreak right now or failures or shame or, you know, you name it. Some of us have been literally abused. You've been abandoned. There's been d tough stuff to deal with in this room. If we all just sat around in a big circle and shared and threw up on each other, it would be ugly, right? <laughs> because we would be like, whoa. So, but guess what? That's where you start. That's where you start. Right in the middle of your mess. That's where you start. That's where I started. It was in a hotel room in Miami about three years ago that I started. I just felt led. I had been praying for about two or three years before that. The Holy Ghost just said, pray for divine appointments. I remembered back in Raymond days, that was just the end prayer. Every, it was very trendy. Oh, yes, it was a divine appointment. It was such a divine appointment. Everybody had divine appointments all the time. Oh, it was just a divine appointment. You know, and so... I hadn't prayed that prayer in a decade or two, you know. Surely not that old, but. Uh, so I just really felt led to start praying for divine appointments. And man, they just started coming, 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 coming. And I remembered, you know, Brother Hagen prophesied about the new breed. And, and a few years before this, uh, we had been in a prayer group, and, and we had talked about um, starting to fish out of different ponds, not like leaving your company, because at the same time, the Holy Ghost was like, you stay with your roots. You go to those regional Raymond retreats. You stay with where you are. And so, but just still believe in God for divine appointments. It was just kind of, we were led this way. So anyway, so I got invited. I have no idea why. Um, well, just God but a divine appointment, but I got invited. Lisa Young, I don't know if you know who Ed and Lisa Young are in Dallas, but they're this mega church out in Dallas, 20-some thousand people probably. And I get a text one day from her inviting me uh, to go to Haiti with her and a few other leading uh, pastor's wives from around the country. And it was a very expensive missions trip. Uh, we really didn't have the money to do it right then, and, but in my gut, I just knew I was supposed to be there. I didn't really know why. And we're get there, and everybody's like, oh, I can't wait. This is my first missions trip. I'm like, I lived in India for five years. This is not going to, like, change my life or anything. 
you know, because I've seen this. It's not like, you know, I do want to go help the kids and help the orphanage. And I really had a bad attitude, if you can't tell, about it. But I knew I was supposed to be there, so I was at least there. Well, I, I go up to the, um, on, on the elevator. I, I end up on the elevator with Lisa Young. I had not brought some certain pants I needed anyway. So I was going up. She was like, I got an extra pair. So I went up, and I was going to borrow her pants. You know, just typical whatever. And I was on the elevator with her when she got a call from one of her staff saying that the clipboards that she and her mom had spent two days working on, decoupaging, personalizing for each of us ladies on the trip, had all stuck together in the bottom of the airplane from Dallas to Miami. And she, like, gut laughed. So I'm just standing here watching this happen. And she just gut laughed and goes, oh, aren't you glad we know now that life's too short to worry about clipboards? I said, yeah, aren't you glad we know that now? (laughs) And as soon as those words flew out of my mouth, I thought, you don't know that. (laughs) I got back to the hotel, to my room after I got those pants, and I got back, and it was like the Holy Ghost was standing there like, you lie, you fry. You do not know that. You would be flipping out. If I was in her, in her shoes, the whole trip would have been ruined, and I would have been like drama queen central, snot flying. Why do I have idiots working for me? Why didn't anybody think of putting wax paper between them? This is not rocket science. We can put people on the moon, and we can't get clipboards from Dallas to Miami. Okay, this is what I, I would have manifested. I mean, I'm sure none of you ever do anything like this. But I did. I did often. So, um, so this is kind of was the beginning of my aha moment. It was kind of like Alcoholics Anonymous. I, hello, my name is Adrian, and I'm an alcoholic. No, but hello, my name is Adrian, and I'm not happy at all. <laughs> like, and so... So we finish up the trip, and I had known also the Holy Ghost is so sweet. He's so, he must be like, whew, this is a tough cookie, but I'm going to crack her. You know, I'm going to get this done. And so I knew in my gut that I was supposed to spend two days by myself in a hotel room locked with Jesus after this trip from the time that we were done, and my family was driving down, and we were going on a family cruise uh, out of Miami that summer. So I had those two days, and y'all, of course, just like happens when the Lord leads us to do something, I had all these temptations. People were like, I've got friends, you know, in Miami, and they're like, let's go shopping. (sighs) I'm sorry, I can't. I'm like, I've I've dedicated this time. It's a prayer time for for me and Jesus. So, So here I am that first night. I'll never forget it. It's just like it was yesterday. I was sitting on the sofa in my hotel room, had my Bible out. And I just sat down to have this conversation with someone I hardly knew anymore. And it was real awkward, you know, how it is when you've, like, kind of had broken relationship with someone. And then you're just like, hey, how's it going? How's life? That's how it was. I was sitting there. I was like, okay, I've been to three Bible schools, have diplomas from all of them. I've lived on the mission field for five years. I've been a pastor's life for 20 now, and I don't know God. 
I'm going to be one of those people. I've cast out devils. I've seen tumors. My husband, well, through my husband, he's seen tumors, you know, like basketball size. So I'm like, anyway, so here I am, and I'm like, Lord, hi. I, I don't, I, I feel I was at the end of my rope, y'all. At that time in my life, I had, up to, leading up to this point, I would notice, I, I didn't really know I was depressed, but I was depressed. I would constantly daydream of escaping. I became very in love with this word escape. And, and it's, it's silly sounding now, but I would constantly dream of getting in the car and just driving to Texas. And I guess because when I was in high school, when I was in school in Mississippi, we had to write lines if we got in trouble. Texas is a big state. I guess I thought I'd get lost there and nobody would ever find me. But, you know, I don't know if you remember, but years ago there were all these pastor's wives that were, like, killing their husband and all this stuff, all this crazy stuff. And do you remember that about five or seven, five to seven years ago? There, it, it was like three of them and one, like, you know, ran away and People would come to me and be like, I just, can you believe a pastor's wife? I'm like, do you have a minute and you can sit down and I can explain it to you? I totally get it. Not about killing my husband part, but all the other parts. A, a couple times maybe. But, but um, and so I was a mess. And I was a word of faith mess. I knew all my faith scriptures and I was quoting them and I was doing it. I was, but I was sinking, sinking, sinking. So here I was, and I, I literally, in that hotel room that night, I thought, because see, what had happened is I, I had been exposed. I had been around the real deal all week at that Haiti missions trip with these amazing women of God. And I was a counterfeit. And I didn't know it. I wasn't trying to be fake, but I had gotten so accustomed to hiding behind this beautiful smile that I knew how to do it. And I was dying inside, and nobody knew but me, really. Well, the ones closest to me were getting some clues. But I thought, nobody knows where I am right now exactly. I could leave. I could disappear right now and just get out of this life. By the way, this fabulous life where both of my kids love Jesus, my husband is the most romantic man of probably any of your husbands combined. Like, he's just amazing. I had this great life, but I was sad. I wasn't happy. And so with the tiny bit of strength left in me, sitting on that sofa that night, I just said, God, I just really didn't know where to start and talking to him. And I just said, God, I just want to be happy. And y'all, he said to me <clears throat> so clearly, he said, I want you to be happy. To which I said, no, you don't. Because, again, I was not in a good place. I was arguing with God. I'm like, you just want me to have joy, whatever that is. I know none of you would be this unholy. But <laughs> he's like, um, did you want to spend two days with me or not? It's kind of not looking like it, you know, kind of like. Um, so it's like our dates with our husbands. You know, we want to have this date with our husband. We want to. And then poor guy, he finally shows up for this date with us. And then we just like, you know, tell him all the stuff he's doing wrong, right? You've never done that before, right? So that's what I was kind of doing to God. And, and he, he's like, no, I do want you to be happy. And it just in my gut, 
again. Thank God that at least in my mess, I did, you know, I had listened to the Holy Ghost for a long time in my life. So I looked, you know, I did what you would do. I Googled the word happy. You know, God and Google, they know everything. So if one doesn't have it, the other one does, right? I know God knows everything. But this is what I saw. When I Googled the word happy, I, the definition, this is what came